You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So, um, those of you that don't know me, my name's Leanne Yarber. I am the other Leanne. So it's so crazy sometimes when I'm in church and I hear, thank you, you can all have a seat, please. I hear Leanne, I hear, Pastor, you're going to say Leanne, and I just, like, no one's ever had my name before, you know, so it's just really weird, but I am Leanne, I spell it different, Leanne Yarber, and for those of you that don't know my story, I'm going to be telling you my testimony tonight. Um, I used to, uh, this is a little bit different audience than what I'm used to speaking to. I've been um, actually on, in six days, on November 9th. I will celebrate 16 years separated from alcohol. Yeah. 16 years. It's a long time. 20 plus years from methamphetamine. I was a tweaker. Yes, I was. (laughs) Hard to believe, huh? (laughs) It's the truth. It's the truth. But, um... I used to introduce myself as an alcoholic. I'd say, you know, you go to AA meetings, say, hey, my name's Leanne, I'm an alcoholic. I, don't, I, don't, I do not identify with that person that I was 16 years ago because today I'm freed from that. And through, the, through I, I, have, I have recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body through Jesus Christ. And so today when I introduce myself, I say, my name's Leanne, I'm a recovered alcoholic. I'm a recovered addict. So my sobriety date, again, as, as, like I said, is, is um, November 9th, 2005. And I am going to talk a lot about I'm going to talk a little bit about Alcoholics Anonymous because it's part of my testimony and it's my story. And, and for so long, Alcoholics Anonymous and the church have been so separated, and it was never intended to be that way. And we have enough separation going on right now in this world. And what I want to do is I want to bring those two communities together because they belong together. And I'm going to tell you a little history about this. So Alcoholics Anonymous, back in the 1930s, those of you who have heard of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it was written by a stockbroker and a proctologist and another guy named Dr. Silkworth who was not an alcoholic. But this proctologist and this stockbroker wrote this book that was divinely inspired by God. And it was divinely inspired by them from a group called the Oxford Groups. Is anyone familiar with the Oxford Groups? They were a Christian group out of the Lutheran Church. And they had these four tenets, and these four tenets... That, that basically was their, their motto, their practices were the, the, sharing of, the sharing of our sins and temptations with another Christian. Two was to surrender our life past, present, and future into God's keeping and direction. Three was restitution to all whom we had wronged directly or indirectly. And four was listening to God's guidance and to carry it out. And from those came all 12 steps. Now, I'm not going to try to, I, I didn't get them on the, don't, don't try to put them up. I didn't get them, and I'm gonna, I, I can kind of go through them, but I don't, I don't want to go through all 12 of them. But the first one is we admitted we were powerless over our addictions and our lives had become unmanageable. That's step one. Step two is came to believe, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, to admit it to God, to ourselves, another human being, the exact nature of our ranks. Oh my gosh, I can't even believe I'm knowing all this. Anyway, all those were stemmed from one is belief, two is, is one is admittance, what we had to admit to what we are, two is that we came to believe in who God, the God that they were talking to was no other than the God of the Bible. Like these guys back in the 30s, what they were doing, they would go to a meeting with the big book and what they called the good book. They went to a meeting with the big book and the good book, and you and they were and when they got to step three was where you made a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of God. You had to get down on your knees and give your life to Christ. Wow. That was what they did. Wow. So what's happened? 
What has happened over the years? Well, what, why is it that there's, we are so separated? Why is it that we see shows like Mom? I don't know if any of you have seen that. And, and what you see on TV is really what it's like today. It's really very middle of the road. There's no God. And for those of you that come from recovery, I don't, and when I'm talking recovery, listen, I, I know that I come from alcohol and drug addiction, but these 12, these 12 steps and these principles and the biblical principles that get applied to them can apply to anything. Don't you think that they can also help somebody who's dealing with love addiction, codependency, gambling, food, too much of or not enough of? Right? Any of these things that the devil has lied to us about, any of these things, like, listen, the Holy Spirit is not the only spirit. There, there, there are other things that keep us, there are spirits of, of confusion and disillusion and these things that brought us to and brought me to where I was 16 years ago. So what happened? Like, what, what happened? Well, they had to secularize it. Right? And what's funny is in two of the steps it mentions God. And when you go to an AA meeting, it's got the 12 steps on the back of the wall. And then they tell you in these meetings, well, we don't want you to talk about God because we don't want you to scare away the newcomer. I'm like, well, but it says God on the wall. It's very confusing. It's very confusing. If Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob, were, they would roll over in their grave today if they knew how the, what, what it would happen. And, and I'll tell you, a lot of that has contributed to back in the 80s when the, when the hospitals started taking insurance. So now what happens? Because before, it was one alcoholic working with another alcoholic, one addict working with another addict, one food addict working with another food addict, one codependent working with another codependent because they understand each other. They share a common peril. But what's happened over the years is insurance started taking taking people into hospitals, and now you have doctors that have no idea what alcoholism is, no idea what drug, is, drug, drug addiction is, trying to help somebody that they know nothing about. And so what do they do? They go, well, they sat around in these meetings and they told stories, so that's what we'll have them do. And so that has pushed over into the meetings today. Into our secular meetings today, Alcoholics Anonymous is now so separated, and it's very middle of the road, and there's no solution, and there's no God. And I'm not saying about this with every AA meeting, but I'm, I'm telling you that that's how it is a lot. And that's why a lot of you might have an idea of what AA is, maybe a bad idea, and maybe you're probably right. But I want you to set aside everything you think you know for an open mind and a new experience now with what Alcoholics Anonymous is and what the church is because they're supposed to be together. Because these guys, these original pioneers of Alcoholics Anonymous were Christians and became Christians and gave their life to Jesus Christ. But we don't want to do that. We want to, the, the, the secular world has wanted to change that. They wanted to change history. They want to take away the history of what it was like and, and, and that who the God of, with the, that they were praying to is Jesus Christ. They want to take that away. Sound familiar? Let's take down monuments. Let's take down, right? Let's, let's change our history so that we don't know our history. No more Columbus Day. What day was it? I don't even know what day it was, but I still said Columbus Day, right? We're wanting to change that. Same thing happened in Alcoholics Anonymous. We've been seeing it for years in AA. And, and, and it's about time that we come together. As you probably know, we have Awakened Recovery. And, and the leaders, um, uh, Pastor Morgan and Mark and myself and Brian, we all come from, we all came from the same recovery group uh, 12 years ago. I've known more, Pastor Morgan for a long time, but that's where we came from. But because we, we came from a group of people that 
prayed to God. We were allowed to talk about God in the meetings. And that's, what, and that's where the solution came from. So and that's where the solution is. And that's where the solution is. There is no secular solution to recovery. You can't get sober by your, you can't get sober by your sponsor. You can't get sober by your, your meetings. You can't get sober by, by praying to an idea of whatever God. The, the, the one God that's been keeping you sober is the one God of the Bible. I'm here to tell you that right now. It's the God of the Bible. That's who they were praying to. When I tell people that I, I, like, I go to meetings, I'll go to these secular meetings, and I, I don't want to like freak everybody. I go, I believe in the God of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous because I know it's Jesus Christ. I know that's who they were praying to, and that's who I pray to. That's who I pray to. So what was happening? So back then, 75% of the people back in those days when they were taking the good book and the big book to the meetings, 75% were getting sober. 50 stayed sober, 25 got sober after some relapses. 75%, does anybody have an idea what the percentage is today? Three. 3% of anyone that goes into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, just AA or NA, or any other 12-step secular recovery group is 3%. Yeah. Take God out of the schools, take God out of the meetings. This is what you get. This is what you get. Get people that are going back out and relapsing. I don't know, in these last 20 months, or 21 months, or however long we've been going through this, seems like an eternity. I don't really personally know more than one person that died of COVID, but I can name 10 that died of drug overdoses and and alcohol-related problems. And we almost lost someone in this church last week. It's real. You take away the fellowship, you take away the meetings, you take away the solution, you take away God out of the meetings, and what do they have left but to listen to the enemy? All of a sudden, the enemy's face is towards, towards them, his voice is, is, is clear, and then they, they, they buy the lie that if it feels good, do it, and just go back out. So my... my um, my, uh, the title of my message tonight is Transformation. So I, I, what, what needed to happen for me? So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. And are you serious? 12 minutes left? Okay. So, so um, I am the oldest of, of two, my mother. I'm truly the prodigal son, but daughter. I'm truly the prodigal daughter. I am. My sister was the good girl. She's sitting right there. My family's here. I can't lie. So <laughs> they all know that I can't lie. I, I, I was the one that was constantly rebellious. I was the rebellious one. I remember from a very small age, the day my father left. My, I'm from a broken home. I didn't really have a father figure in my life. And I want to tell you something. There's something to be said about fatherless daughters. There's something to be said about fatherless daughters. You don't even have to be in your, in, in, under the same roof as your daughter, but be in her life. Because there's something about a man's leadership, a, a, a God-fearing, God-loving man and, and father that leads his daughter that will form and create. His daughter will, will be my perfect example. As my, there's one sitting right there. And then also my oldest daughter, both of them, you know, are the product of a God-loving man and husband. And I didn't have that. I remember the day my dad left. I was two and a half years old. My mom was holding my sister, who was six months old at the time, and I remember, I remember this. 
two and a half years old, I remember sitting on, in, on the carpet and seeing, this man, seeing my father drive out the, out the front door. I remember the color of the carpet. I remember where the fireplace was. I remember everything. It was so vivid because it was such a traumatic experience. I saw my dad leave, and I saw him drive around the corner, and I remember running out after him, and I ran back inside to my mom and my sister crying on the floor, and that was the beginning of my trauma. But that's not why I became an alcoholic. I also am a product of, of, of sexual abuse by, by a, a cousin um, that was married into our family. But that's not why that I'm, I'm, I turned into an alcoholic. I've had a, a lot of traumatic things that have happened to me, and I don't want to get so much into them. But the difference was that I bought the lie. I bought the lie from the enemy that if it feels good, do it. I didn't have a father directing me to a God-loving father showing me that I didn't need to turn to a bottle, but I needed to turn to Christ. I didn't have anybody showing me that. So I turned to the easiest solution. I turned to the solution that all my friends were. And, 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 and I found ease and comfort. I found ease and comfort in the bottle. I found ease and comfort with drugs. And I'm a product of the 80s and the 70s. And I was doing drugs and drinking at a very young age. And when I was in 1983, drinking was a problem. Then it, it was fun. Then it was fun with problems. And it was nothing but problems at a very fast pace. And I ended up going to my first NA meeting in 1983. Do you know that if I would still be sober, it would, I would have 38 years sober, but that's not what happened because I sat in those meetings. I stayed sober for about a year. I stayed clean for about a year, and I remember um, listening to these people in meetings and go, you know, I didn't have a DUI. I didn't go to jail. I didn't lose my kids. I was comparing my circumstances as if that was qualifying me to my drug and alcohol addiction. Because circumstances are not what, what make me an alcoholic. I have an internal condition. It's a, it was a spiritual malady, spiritual bankruptcy that caused me to have this mental obsession to think that I could go out and drink. And then next thing I know, I'm physically addicted or dependent on drugs and alcohol. There, listen, you have to have that physical component. I'm going to tell you something. There's some misconceptions about what alcoholism is and drug addiction is. Right? I, I'm not, I wasn't a weekend user. <laughs> I wasn't a weekend drinker. You know? And there are some people who can have a glass of wine every night and not be alcoholic. Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. My, I, you know what? I, I, I live with a norm. I call them normies, people who can drink normally. I live with a normie. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. I can sit him, I can watch him. He'll like have, he doesn't even drink beer. He'll have a glass of wine and he won't finish it. I'm like, oh my God, that's alcohol abuse. I can't believe, shouldn't like, well, you can finish that. Aren't you going to drink that? It's, or, or even better yet, you know, I never, one of the things that has been removed from me is the obsession to drink. And so we keep alcohol in our house because I am recovered today. It doesn't bother me one bit. And I didn't know that we had an, a, a liquor cabinet above our, and I opened it up. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like all this, all, like that would have never lasted when I was, never, we never, I mean, I was at the point to where I was drinking so much that I would drink up in the mornings and I would drink and I would come down the hall. Like alcoholism was, was in full force with me. It was in full force. I couldn't stop. The difference is, here's the difference. Alcoholism is a physical factor. It's physical, it's mental, and it's spiritual. 
physical, mental, and spiritual. You have to have all three components to be considered a real alcoholic. You have to have all, cons- all three components to be the real drug addict. Physical. If you don't have the physical factor, Dr. Silkworth says in the big book of alcoholics, that's incomplete. You might just be a hard drinker. Hard drinker and alcoholic are not the same thing. The hard drinker has the mental capability to stop or moderate. I don't. Once alcohol is into my body, I don't metabolize it like a normal person. I don't metabolize it like my husband. I love watching him, so it's a reminder that I don't drink like him. Because if I were to put alcohol into my body, I know what happens. I don't have it. I lose all power, choice, and control over what happens to me. It's, it's crazy. And maybe this is something that you can relate to. Maybe you know someone, a loved one, that, that, that maybe is, is dealing with this. There is a solution. There is a solution. The solution you can walk through these 12 steps with Jesus Christ hand in hand. So physical transformation is the first thing that has to take place. Once we remove the alcohol. See, I just thought that all I needed to do was remove the alcohol and my life would be better. Just remove it. Go on my life. That's all. God, here, thank you. Take that. I'm going to run my own life this way. I'm going to do my own finances. I'm going to do my own marriage. I'm going to do my own this, my friends, everything. God, you just, man, just take that away from me. I did that for four years. For four years, I lived in what we don't like to talk about as I was an untreated alcoholic. What does that mean? Because removing the alcohol, the physical part of it, is just scratching the surface. That's just the beginning. I can't stay sober on just the physical, what happens with, with the physical transformation, right? All of a sudden, I start to look better, right? All of a sudden, I don't have to check the rearview mirror anymore while I'm driving because I'm not freaking out about police following me. I'm remembering what I watched the night before on TV, some of these, and I start to look better, right? Because the puffiness is crazy. Like, you know, there's different stages of alcoholism, and I was at that stage. It's like cancer, if someone told you had stage one cancer, you'd do something about it. Well, you're in stage one alcoholism, you're like, mm, no, I think I can keep going. I think I'm going to keep going because there's a spirit of delusion and the spirit of denial that the enemy keeps telling us, you're fine. You need this. You deserve it. You deserve this. You're sad today. You deserve it. You're happy today. You deserve it. See, I'm thinking I'm making the decision, but actually what's happening is I can't beat this insatiable craving that's happening inside of me that once you have that physical allergy, it never goes away. It doesn't. It's like a pickle. You could take a pickle out of a jar for five years. It doesn't become a cucumber. No. It doesn't become a cucumber. God did not get me sober so I could be a cucumber again. He got me sober so I can stand up here today and tell you my story, so I can help the other alcoholic, so I can spread the message, so I can plant a seed for somebody who might be sitting in here tonight suffering from the same thing that I did. And removing the alcohol is not the final solution. Yes, it's the beginning of the physical transformation. The beginning of the physical transformation, I started to look a lot better. I started to look a lot better. Trust me. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Okay. I'm going to tell you a quick story. When I first went, I went to this meeting about, about, about eight three years ago, and I was speaking at this meeting in OB. I walk in this meeting in OB, and I'm about the only person in there without a tattoo on my neck. And so, and so I'm sharing my story, and I'm kind of dressed like this. And after I'm done sharing, this woman gets up. I think she might have either still been drunk. I don't know. And she goes, I don't know what kind of Gucci drunk you were, but some of us are real alcoholics. And I'm like, oh. 
She called me a Gucci drunk. Like, are you kidding me? I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you think if I would have showed her this picture, this was me 16 years ago, almost to the day today. This was taken one week before I got sober. This is not, this is, by, this is God's plan and I'm speaking on this as me 16 years ago. I was going to show before and after, but I'm standing right here, so I'm the after. So <laughs> thank you for taking that down. Gucci drunk. I wasn't even wearing Gucci. <laughs> the nerve. The day I got sober was the day I stopped blaming everyone else for my problems and took responsibility. See, we want to tell everybody, blame it on your parents. It's your parents' fault. Blame it on this. It's, it's your school's fault. Blame it on this. You know, I had to take responsibility. I heard Dennis Prager share this and, and, and on September 15th or whenever he shared back in September. He shared the same thing. He said, I, I talked to a bunch of alcoholics, an AA is what he said. He goes, I talked to them in AA and I, and, and I asked them, what is it that kept you sober? He goes, without a beat, they all said God because no secular solution is going to get anybody sober. It's God. And if it takes the 12 steps to get you there to cultivate a relationship with Jesus Christ, then by God, do it. And that's the way that you should do it, because that's what worked for me. That's what worked for me. This physical transformation had to take place, but now that the physical, now that I've removed the alcohol and it's only scratching the surface, how do I stay clean and sober? How do I do it? I got to stop with that idea that I can, I can rest satisfaction on my own will and do this on my own. I can't do it on my own. I need the help. I need the help of the one and only God. And I need that. There's a, the third step says this. It says we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. We made a decision to turn our will and our lives. It doesn't say we made a decision to turn our alcoholism over to God. It doesn't say we made a decision to turn our drug addiction over to God. It says we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to God. My romances, my finances, my family, everything, my thought process, everything needed to be turned over to God. There were some days that I couldn't do it. And because God's, because my will trumps God's will, whether you know it or not, your will trumps God's will. Because if God's will trumped your will, we would all be perfect. There would be no alcoholism and drug addiction, right? But it's because I can take my will back every single time. And some mornings I have to wake up and say, God, I waive my right for free will. I can't do it. Just do it for me. And if that's what it takes for me to do every morning in the very beginning, then that's, and, and, then that's what worked for me. I waived my right for free will. So step three says this in Romans Romans 12, 1. Therefore, this is, there's a biblical principle and there's a biblical scripture to every step. And there's more than just one, but I have 25 seconds. So, <laughs> says, says, therefore, I do, okay. Says, so does that negative mean I, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, they put more time up there. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your what? Bodies. Not to offer your alcoholism or your ism. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I had to give everything to God. I had to give everything to Him. Surrender isn't about giving it all up. Surrender is about giving it up so God can pour in so much more to me. Pour in so much more to me. 
And I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that until I found the way that I go through the work now, until I realized that these 12 steps were so divinely inspired. You can't tell me that a proctologist and a stockbroker came up with a way on their own. They, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were led by Christ. Bill Wilson talks about the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. We don't talk about this in secular AA because why? We don't want to freak out the newcomer. You know what? The newcomer's already freaked out. That's the least of his problems. We need to, we need to let him know and let her know that she can be saved, that she can be delivered. I had to be delivered. This third step is about being delivered from the oppression and the obsession and the, the mental obsession. See, because it's not about just removing the alcohol. And the reason why I can qualify myself as recovered today, recovered from a hopeless state of mind, the, uh, the obsession to drink has been removed. That's why I can have alcohol in the house. I can walk down the, the aisle uh, in a grocery store and think about it. That's the miracle. That's the miracle. Listen, that doesn't happen for everybody. I know people with 20 years sober that still wish they could have a drink. What a horrible way to live. That's got to really suck. (laughs) Could you imagine every day wishing that you could drink? It's miserable. It's like living, living, living under Satan's, under Satan's thumb. And I wanted to be, I want to be delivered from that. Spiritual transformation takes part place when all this happens. But mostly when I look at steps 11 and 12, we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. I don't need to put scripture with that. <laughs> we can see a lot, of, a lot of scripture with that already. And step 12 is evangelism, right? Look at this. We have to go back out. This is the most. Step 1 and 12 are so important. I need to do both. I need to know my truth in the first step. I need to know whether I'm the real deal or if I'm just a hard drinker. And I know for a fact that I'm the real deal, but I'm recovered today from that. And 12 is so that I can go back out and give what was so freely given to me. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry out this message and practice its principles. Its principles are Christian, you guys. Its principles are biblical in all my affairs. That's why you see me today. That's why sometimes I can't make it here on Wednesday because I have another recovery group that I go to. I go to another recovery group on Monday in person. Finally, you know, we get to go in person. I'm telling you, this COVID has taken, it's, 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 I, I can't tell you how many people are still back out there. They're back out there right now. And we need to pray for them. And we need them back. So I'd like to take this time right now I know I didn't have enough, a lot of time to keep going on and on, but, but I think I covered the important parts. And I think I covered what, what was most important is that the truth about Alcoholics Anonymous, the truth about the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and those who are in AA that don't go to church, the truth about church. It's not about being religious. We're not religious here. It's about a relationship with Christ. You know, if you have that spirit of religion, we want to break that spirit of religion. We want you to be able to know that Christ is here. God doesn't want us to be more religious. He wants a better relationship with us. That's what his desire is. So I, if with, with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed right now, maybe you have a secret that you're hiding. 
Maybe you feel that you can't get over it. Maybe that there's something that's holding you back. I don't know whether maybe you're, it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether you might not even think it is, but you know deep in your heart, if you had to be completely 100% honest with yourself, constitutionally incapable, those who are constitutionally incapable of being completely honest with themselves may never find recovery. And I hope that's not you tonight. But if you're that person right now, every eye is closed and every head is bowed. If maybe you might have a problem, maybe you might have, no one's looking, just raise your hand so I can just, I can just pray for you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you're someone who's been around secular meetings before and you had no idea who God was. You were praying to an idea of who God was. Do you know that in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says God with a capital G 400 times and higher power only twice. And maybe you didn't know that. And maybe you want to know who, who God is. There's a book. It's called the Bible. It's got 66 books in it that are love letters to you. And you can understand who Jesus is. And you can understand who God is and how much he loves you. And listen, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. He heals all wounds and he heals all addiction. He heals all alcoholism. He heals all anger issues. He heals all codependency. He heals all emotional problems. He heals all mental disorders, all depression, everything. And it doesn't matter where you've done, what you've done or where you've been. He wants you right now. And if you feel like you're suffering from something other than alcoholism or drug addiction, maybe it's codependency, maybe it's food, maybe it's lack of food, maybe it's controlling, anger. If that's you right now, can I just see your hands right now? Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I want to take this time to just pray. I want to read Psalm 31, 31 to you. It says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you helped me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit and God is here to help you. And we are here to help you. There'll be a number of us standing up here after, we're not going to have you come up for all, I want you to come up if you need prayer for whatever it is. If you need prayer for codependency, for anything other than drugs and alcohol, my husband Brian can help pray with you. I've got, I've got a few other people up here who've been through awakened recovery, and we would love to pray with you and, and talk with you. So with that, Heavenly Father, God, I lift each and every person up to you right now. Whether they lifted their hands or didn't, you know where they are, God. Meet them where they're at. Bring the heavens down on them right now and bring them to a place of courage that they could come up here and admit whatever it is that they've been going through. We know, God, that you are so loving and that no matter where they've done or no matter where they're at, it's okay that, God, you have all power. You have all authority and that you can rise them from the pit of hell back up to earth. A little bit of faith, God, we know gets our soul to heaven, but God, we want to put a lot of faith that puts heaven in our soul, and we want that from you today. And if that's you today, and you want to come up for some prayer, I ask you to come up now, and I want to thank you so much for letting me be here tonight and share my testimony. Thank you all. 
Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.